Yo, yo, happy, happy Friday. Many of you may not know what you're about to hear is me a few years ago pursuing a different dream. Hit the tune. Yeah, buddy, you've downloaded Tropical Talk Radio, where we talk about all things entrepreneurship, travel, and lifestyle. If you're interested in more about this program, check out tropicalmba.com. And if you sign up for our mailing list, I will personally send you 50 free podcast episodes that take you along on our journey and expose the insider story on how we started a million-dollar, honest-to-goodness product business while we traveled the globe. Hey, thanks for joining me. This is the Every Friday Happy Hour podcast, Tropical Talk Radio, the companion show to the tropicalmba.com. If you're interested in what's going on here, check out the Lay website. Okay, I'm in Manila. That was a uh, last minute thing. And I'll tell you what, not uh, traveling a lot, not helping with the book writing so much, but uh, it looks like we will succeed in getting a first draft out to some beta readers with the book. It looks like the working title is The Thousand Day Principle and hoping to get that out to you guys by the end of the month. On today's program, I'm gonna talk about two things and two things only, very quick. Um, I wanna talk about something I'm calling the rule of six and how it's changing the ways I'm thinking about I'm approaching things a little bit differently. And we're gonna close out the show with some sociopathic tactics from uh, my buddy and listener, Rob Hanley. So let me point you to a, a blog post that you can check out after you're done listening to this. It's on the Built to Sell blog. And if you haven't yet read Built to Sell, worth taking a look at. But it's about a speech made by a guy named Verd, Vern Harnish. He's got a book called Valleys of Death. And basically what he's talking about is how difficult it is for firms. And he's monitored this over you know tons of data points. How difficult it is for firms to get from one to three employees up to seven to 12 employees. Uh, basically only 4% of firms go from one to three to seven to 12. Are you gonna be one of those 4%? And then to go from seven to 12 up to 40 to 70, only 0.4% go. So where do these valleys of death come from? Well, I think one of the ways in which we can combat these, um, these valleys of death, and basically I'm feeling it. Because you all know I got between 12 and 15 employees right now and we're looking at our business and we're looking at the opportunities and we know that the next level involves standard operating procedures, getting a little bit more bureaucratic here and there, systematizing people and stuff like that. And that makes us nervous for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, a lot of people that have businesses with a couple virtual assistants or freelancers or a couple close associates, maybe a business partner, are really nervous about ramping up their hiring, um, in part because they feel like bringing on more people is going to crush their independence, it's going to crush their time, and therefore they hold back on doing the one thing that's going to grow their business the most, which is systematizing the value process, the value delivery process in your business, and hiring behind that process. And for me, you know, I've been a little, I mean, I've done a lot of hiring in my day and we've done a lot of management, but you know, I'm still working at this stuff and I'm still getting better at it. And it's one of my key focuses in 2013 is becoming a better manager. Um, in a lot of ways, like some of, I've realized in retrospect, a lot of my hiring theories, like, you know, just get awesome people and like put them at stuff and let everybody alone and all this kind of stuff is really an excuse for, uh, me being an imprecise manager and having an imprecise idea of what creates value in my business. 
And as things scale, I mean, that works just fine. If you got six, five or six people, even in our case, you got 12 or 13 people, everybody's got their own little division. You know, everybody's managing one cash flow and one set of customers or whatever. That's fine. But when you need to coordinate, you know, 15 people off of, you know, around one value uh, delivery system, man, you know, when I look at that, that idea stressed me out. And I think that that mindset issue was holding me back in my business. Like I'm kind of, I, I, I like even had the mantra to myself, like, man, I don't want to manage 15 people. I don't want to manage anybody, you know? And so these ideas held my business back. And one thing changed. I listened or I read a, a little biopic about Steve Jobs. And they said, Steve Jobs never interacted with more than six people. And I thought, well, that's fascinating. You know, Apple's got over 10,000 employees and the big guy, he only interacted with six people. And then I thought, wait, I only interact with six people. And I started looking around and realized that it might be the case, and this is my guess with the rule of six, that you can only handle six high bandwidth working relationships in your life. And I'll tell you why this was an important realization for me. Because if Steve's dealing with six people and I'm dealing with six people and the freelancer guy I know who doesn't even have a VA yet is dealing with six people, is there really a change in the amount of stress or responsibility that you have when you change from one level to the next? And it was thinking about these ideas that changed my mindset and I think is going to allow us to pursue through this next valley and be that 0.4%. So if you're the freelance consultant, I bet you're having a full, you know, who are those six people, right? They're like your four or five best clients and maybe your business partner, maybe your VA or two VAs. If you're like Ian and myself, that might be your top two clients and your top four employees. And if you're Steve Jobs, they are your top six, you know, highly motivated, super well-paid, incredibly erudite and educated and anything you ever wanted in somebody. Those are your top people. Those are like your generals. And so what are the implications? What are the implications? I got six implications of the rule of six just to keep things clean. Here's the thing. Know that you might be subject to this rule whether or not you choose your six. So you've got these six high bandwidth working relationships in your life. It might be your employer, your tax man. It might even be your mother if you're going to her regularly for advice about your business. Look around you. Even if you haven't chosen your six, you've got them. The second implication is that you're going to be much better off if you choose the six. The third implication is you're going to be even better off if you cultivate them. And that leads to the fourth implication, which is that you ought to develop procedures and policies for how you're interacting with each of the six in your life. So do you give them priority uh, status in your inbox, for example, to reply to all of their messages within two hours? Do you talk with them on the phone every morning at the beginning of the workday? Do you talk with them every Thursday afternoon at 4 p.m.? What is the system? Do they give you a report? Do you give them a report? What is the system for each of the six uh, most high bandwidth people in your life, in your business? And how are you executing that? And how is that helping to build out your business? Number five implication of this. You don't have to bug yourself out of, of things scaling or of things getting challenging when things get bigger. I can tell you this, this is sort of interesting. 
that I'm less stressed out running a bigger business than I was a smaller business. And sometimes when I talk to some solopreneurs who are wondering where the next paycheck is coming from, I see some frazzled nerves. And so this started me to think, wait, maybe the grass is greener. Maybe as you get more employees, develop more processes and build up, things do get a little simpler. And this led me to the sixth implication, which could be pretty fascinating, which is it could follow. And I'm just putting this out there for you guys. It could follow that the more systems and people, you, the more that you're these six people are dealing with your systems and they're your people. So they're not clients. They're not your mom, right? These are people that you've cultivated, that you have a process around your relationship with them. So this happens over the course of time. They're dealing with proprietary systems. Um, the more empowered you'll be. So who's better off? The solopreneur who didn't choose their six, who is say has five clients that aren't cultivated, that aren't on a proprietary system, but you're still dealing with that stress. You're still dealing with that input. But what about the guy who's got 100 employees and deals with six generals who follow standard operating procedures, who have been cultivated over the course of years, who um, regularly interact and evolve a procedural way of interacting with each other? This is a fascinating little mindset shift that uh, I think is setting my sights a little bit higher because I really was, you know, especially as someone who feels creative and wants to travel more and all this kind of stuff. I was like, man, we're getting up to like 15 employees. I'm really concerned about getting it more. It's going to become more of a headache. And then I saw some people, you know, I saw the Steve Jobs, the world. I'm interacting a lot with James Shramko. He's got 80 employees and I'm seeing, wow, they seem more free. What's the dig? What gives man? And it could be the implications of the rule of six. So I want you to think about that and let me know your ideas at tropicalmba.com. All right, we got one quick thing before we get you started on your weekend hustle. If you don't listen to the Lifestyle Business Podcast and you like this one, check it out. Check out episode 130, How to Be a Happy Sociopath. I met Rob Hanley in uh, Bangkok for the Dynamite Circle meetup and I really liked the guy. He was a really cool guy and he, he had a lot of fascinating things to share with me. And uh, has continued on in all his glory after having listened to this episode, recorded an appendix episode. He basically said, hey, I really love that podcast, but you guys talked about um, more general strategies and mindset issues around being a sociopath. How about we talk about some really concrete tactics to be a sociopath? And it's about a 10-minute audio, and I listened to the whole thing and took notes and had a really good time. So I'll put the notes on the blog so you can check them out. You don't have to take them yourself. And uh, why don't we just let Rob take it away? Thanks for joining me on Tropical Talk Radio. We'll see you guys next Friday. Dan, Ian, that was a fantastic episode on the elements of being a sociopath and how it applies to being an entrepreneur. More than anything, what the biggest takeaway from that was was that it's a mindset. It's about being comfortable. But the only catch with it being a mindset is that it doesn't lead into tactical, real-world application. And I know there's a whole gamut of things that can be discussed on this, but I want to really narrow down to the one area which I think can benefit everyone the most, and that's relationships. The main reason I picked relationships is because they're at the core of absolutely every other activity when you live in any given civilized society. You can't make money, you can't create a business without being able to develop relationship skills on some level. And as someone who studied this quite closely, I wanted to share with you five things that people can start considering and more importantly, using straight after listening to this. Being a sociopath is about control as discussed and having a frame of mind that allows you to look at what's happening, 
and decide how you wish to interact with it. The best thing to do if you want to create relationships and be a sociopath of relationships is to think of yourself in a situation where it is just a one big world stage play. Everybody is an actor. The only difference is that some people read from the script. We're going to refer to those people as those who have decided to not really challenge what they're doing. Maybe they stay up late, watch Kim Kardashian, buy everything on credit, whatever. The other people are those who write the scripts. Those who get up at six in the morning and work through to one in the morning, bemoaning trade tariffs and building a business from the ground up. They're the ones who write the scripts. And that's what we're focusing on. There's also a really important correlation or relationship to understand between those who write the scripts and those who simply read them. Those who read the scripts respond to the script. They don't so much process it, they don't consider an alternative response. They simply see that someone has said word A and they respond with response B. It's very much cause and effect. With that in mind, let's go from the top. The number one thing that any person can do to improve their relationships is talk less. Humans have an uncomfortable need to fill the silence in every conversation. When you take that small tactic and apply it to everything from business to personal life, you will find that people are more responsive. They'll fill in the gaps. The more they talk, the more they tell you about themselves. The more they tell you about themselves, the more in tune they feel with you. Now, I have to put a little caveat beside this. When you are talking to people and they're telling you everything about themselves, you need to build a good rapport with them. You need to have a strong foundation. Otherwise, it doesn't matter what they'll tell you because they'll be doing it on edge. However, if you can ask them questions or use small phrases like go on or can you tell me about that a little more, they'll feel like you're purely interested. And as Neil Strauss, author of the game, has been quoted as saying, to be interesting, be interested. So that's number one. Speak less, take longer pauses, make other people feel the silence. The next thing is the way you dress. Humans, at our very nature, or by our very nature, are visual creatures. We assess threats, we assess partners, we assess everything we interact with on a visual basis first. So with that in mind, it's important to gain that element of our relationships, the visual side. Now, many people think that the idea of being a visually inclined creature is to create a big song and dance. I disagree. I believe in the one peg theory. And the idea with that is that you should always dress one peg above the people you want to influence. Now, the peg can vary in various directions. The idea here is simple. If you're going to a meeting and everyone will be wearing jeans and a t-shirt, wear a button-up white shirt. If you're going to a meeting where everyone's wearing jeans and a white shirt, maybe put on a suit jacket. If you're going to a meeting where everyone's dressed like that, wear the full suit, and so on and so forth. The idea is to not make anyone feel intimidated by the way you dress or that you look out of place, but that you're just one step sharper than they are. And it creates an incredible effect of power and authority which you can then use. By understanding that as well and considering the people who you're meeting with, you're also cultivating a concept of empathy, understanding what it is that they will respond to and which direction that peg needs to go. The alternative to the peg movement, which I discussed a second ago, is that you can go up a peg by going in the opposite direction. So if you go to a meeting full of board advisors, sometimes it will be more appropriate to dress in the jeans and the shirt as opposed to the 
the suit because they, it says to them, this guy is obviously quite confident to come into a meeting like this, dressed in this attire. The third one that people can do, and this is quite important, is to understand that beyond your dress code, the way you look is still going to have a massive impact on the way people perceive you and your actions. If you want to look tough and aggressive, shave your head. If you want to look easy to approach and gentle, light five o'clock shadow, softer haircut. If you want to look weak, bedraggledly long hair, possibly above the shoulder length, and maybe don't shave too much, wear clothes that are a little too big. All of these ideas go back to playing a role within the greater play and choosing the script and the role you want to play. And I will share with you just those two more. The first is to create contrast within your actions. And by that I don't mean going back on your word. By that I mean altering your behavior. I mean that if you're always a nice person and if you're always easygoing and gentle, when you get angry or when you want to make a point, it's important that you contrast your behavior to what people are used to. There's two reasons for that. First, it will set people off. They will feel a little uncomfortable and feel like they have to pay attention. And second of all, if you've created a baseline standard of being a good person and friendly and relaxed, it's obviously something important that they really need to pay attention to if you're mad or angry. It sounds simple, but this is by far one of the most effective ways to get people's attention. The fifth and final thing that I want to share with you is a tactical and strategic approach to building any relationship. And it's very easily understood by considering if you want a relationship with somebody powerful, or if you want a relationship that will benefit you, you have to be someone that a powerful person will want to be in a relationship with. Whether that's sexual, whether it's business, or just social, you have to be worthy of the relationship. If you're not doing things which make you worthy of that, no matter what tactics or strategies or fancy ideas you use, you will not be able to pull it off. Because you're basically being an imposter, a fake, who has nothing to back it up. Always be worth being in that relationship or having that relationship. And the easiest way to do that, obviously, is by providing massive amounts of forward paying value. Because when you improve the quality of someone else's life, you establish one key concept. You are of a high enough status in your society to provide high quality materials, tools, and insights. Providing value raises your status and people want to connect with people of higher status. The easiest ways to do this are to compliment and appreciate people's work and their output in a way that no one else will. The second way to do this is to send them things which will improve their lives. I don't mean bits and bobs and gits and gadgets. If somebody has mentioned that they're interested in a book topic and you happen to have that book, send them a copy with a note inscribed. Give it the personal touch. And finally, when you send them an email, understand, if you are an important person, you understand the value of time. Don't waste theirs. There are a lot of little bits and pieces that you can take from this. But if you take them and tactically apply them, you can manipulate your way into any single event or circle that you want. And the reason I highlight this, and to give some context to this, is it's been how I've been able to enter circles of seven, eight, nine figure earners. It's how I've been able to get my way into things for free, as well as get introductions to powerful people who I really looked up to. But more importantly, by understanding that these are the rules of the game, and manipulating them when I need to, but playing by them at other times, I've been able to develop the relationships with other people as a result of developing myself. 
The relationships I have are of a high quality. The relationships that I engage with are of a high quality. And I'm in a better position to cut out those people who have negative influences in my life. These are the tactics that you can use to enter business deals, relationships, getting laid, getting paid. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. Don't be shy, we've got a mailing list. Check it out at tropicalmba.com. Get yourself signed up and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do, plus give you those 50 free podcast episodes. If you want to say hey, check me out on Twitter at tropicalmba. We'll see you soon.